0: You both. I've hated you ever since I can remember. I hate you, and I wish you both had cancer. Cancer? Yes, in the head. Huh? I'm as mad
1: as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Pay no attention to that man
0: behind the curtain. Are you telling me you built a time machine? Out of a DeLorean? This is the. No.
1: Uh oh. Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mundus. <laughs> Hello there, children. Hey, hey,
0: kids. <laughs> People seem to like me because I am polite and I'm rarely. Don't worry, I got an idea. And now, the host of the Stupid Cancer Show, Matthew Zachary. Woohoo! Not that there's anything wrong with us Because he has a lot of chick spot. (laughs) All
1: right. Hello and welcome to the Stupid Cancer Show, the voice of young adult cancer. I'm your host, Matthew Zachary, proud 19 year. young adult brain cancer survivor coming to you now from the chemo deck our fabulous studio in downtown manhattan broadcasting since 2007 the stupid cancer show is a production of stupid cancer the largest charity comprehensively addressing young adult cancer online at stupidcancer.org.
0: i'm kenny kane co-founder of stupid cancer welcoming all of our first-time and returning listeners Never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast on iTunes and following us on SoundCloud.
1: It's not okay that 72,000 young adults are diagnosed with cancer each and every year. So, got cancer under 40? Sucks, huh? Time to get busy living, folks. Because the Stupid Cancer Show is changing the world one chemo infusion at a time. We're going to be talking about immunotherapy on this uh, sponsored podcast. Podcast. Our good friends at Seattle Genetics have made this show possible. We're tackling the issues of next generation targeted immunotherapy drugs. We're going to distill that down to the layperson. And joining us to share his expertise and help us drill that down is the one only Dr. John Goodwin, the leading expert in immunotherapy, targeted therapy, and other new treatment options for patients with cancer. Stay tuned and we'll be right back with Dr. John Goodwin. Our special guest on this episode of the Stupid Cancer Show is Dr. John Godwin, a nationally known expert in leukemia, lymphoma, and blood coagulation. He has served on various panels for the National Institute of Health, has been recognized for patient care by Chicago's top doctors. I'm very much looking forward to this. Please welcome to the Stupid Cancer Show, Dr. John Godwin. John, Hello. how are you doing? There you go. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm... Um Always really excited when we get actual doctors on the show. We have a lot of PhDs, and I make fun of them because they always say they're not real doctors. But you're a real doctor.
0: That's right. I treat more than
1: rats. (laughs) Very nice. Very nice. We uh, came across you through our wonderful relationship with the folks at Seattle Genetics, who I actually just saw at ASH in Orlando. So uh, hello from them. And and we are there's so much exciting stuff happening. I was reading the trades and all the post-audits and the uh, post-mortems from the conference. It's a, it's a really, I mean, it's kind of weird to say, it, but it's a great time in cancer research for hematology. Would you agree?
0: Yes, it is. And so, if you were there at Ash, I mean, incredible number of um, new things happening, and and a whole new wave of cancer treatments moving in in now. So we have hope.
1: Yes, and that is the magic word here. You, you, uh, I'm reading here in your bio. You've been in this for more than 25 years. What drew you to medicine? Was that like something you felt out of the out of the gate from high school and college?
0: Yes, I'm one of these uh, unusual people that kind of knew what they wanted to do all their life. Uh, a lot of people sort of find their career, but since I was age eight, I wanted to be a doctor. With no doctors in my family, had no idea what I was getting into, but uh, never looked back and kept going.
1: So, at what point did you? want to focus more on hematology because everyone starts out with everything, correct?
0: Right. All doctors go through extensive training in all parts of medicine. It was in, uh, It's in your residency phase. You know, you graduate in medical school and you're starting to really be more on the front lines of treating patients that you develop interests. And that's where I discovered that cancer was one of my um, interests and focus. Had a lot to do with the type of patient, the patient who's facing such a difficult, life threatening event, and sort of the privilege we have of um, working with them, meeting them, fighting the cancer, as well as the extraordinary challenge of this field, the science. And just like we started with Ash meeting, now culminating with so many new discoveries.
1: I don't know if you watched it, but uh, I think last summer was a Ken Burns documentary that took the uh, Siddhartha Mukherjee Emperor Vomaladis book into a documentary style, and a major focus of it was in blood cancers in children, and Sidney Farber and the Jimmy Fund and how it all started from there. It, did you walk into that science when you started in, uh, in your, your practice?
0: Yes, yes. So lots of work. as as they always say, standing on the shoulders of many giants before I got into this field, had gone into the development of chemotherapy. But that childhood leukemia story is, as you know, still evolving. uh, When we talk more about new treatments that involve uh, T-cells and engineered T-cells and things that we're doing these days that might someday... uh, Put new treatment options for that same childhood leukemia, which we talk about curing, but when our chemo doesn't work, there is new hope for those patients.
1: I was, uh, I mean, I, immunotherapy has always been this buzzword, but now there's actual things that are doing things, and I, I, like I said, I, I, I'll talk the layperson language and we can science it down. But immuno, <laughs> immunothe- I had to explain it to somebody once. We often forget that we're in our, our little bubble, and to the average person who doesn't know, and why would they need to know until they unfortunately may have to know, immunotherapy is making your body do the things it can't do on its own or augmenting the way, like Captain America-ifying yourself. Is, is that a fair <laughs> way of, of trying to laypersonize
0: it? Yeah, it might be uh, gosh, we could use any analogy. It's sort of like waking up uh, an immune system again, dealing with a sick immune system that has allowed uh, cancer to evolve um, and then there are new ways of augmenting the immune system, recharging it, and making it a true Captain America, as you say. Right. I mean, to me, the, the quick 30,000-foot view of cancer has evolved from it's a disease of our body cells, cancer is a disease of mutations, and now cancer is a disease of our own immune system's failure to act. So all those things are what cancer is.
1: I remember having a conversation. I see you're on SWOG. You must know Dr. Leonard Sender. Uh,
0: name familiar. Of course,
1: yeah. I'm familiar with SWOG, but go ahead. Yeah, he's a, a, at Chalk in UC Irvine. He does a lot of AYA, and he's a, Actually, he's a melanoma specialist by trade, but in peds. But we were talking years ago about how they've been able to uh, drill down, the, like, the, the genomics of things to the point that where everyone is literally an end of one, and how can we possibly make that a, a thing? If we're not like this, it's not like this giant you know, sweeper that says, oh, you have this cancer or that cancer. We're really looking at everyone's individuality in terms of immunotherapy. Do you see that as the, the biggest positive challenge we have to look forward to?
0: So um, personalized medicine has become the buzzword for all right let's figure out what your specific individual cancer is now we're talking about a cancer patient of course and we're talking about all right now let's figure out what yet specific messages uh, are going on to send to your body's immune system and then let's try to attack it so most of the time doctors uh, me others have focused on All right. what are the mutations that we know exist in the family of cancers, be it leukemia or lymphoma, and what might be this individual patient's specific mutations. Do I have a drug to fight it, to kill it? Right. And so you can see, yes, that can be complex, but it's not like I have to fight every possible mutation. I need to know which are the ones Predominantly, as we use the term, driving the cancer uh, in that individual. Right. Yeah. And go. now we're we are also jumping in with this idea. Okay, the immune system has failed to respond. This cancer has used actually many of the body's own mechanisms and signals to dampen the immune response and allowed itself to grow. And so, how can I reprogram that? How can I attack the immune system and wake it back up? that's the other added new concept.
1: Right, so th- those those philosophies which are now in practice is would you would you agree that that is the fundamental shift in thinking about biology and cancer over the last decade?
0: Yes, yes. I think we've gone from merely designing chemotherapy, which again was a sort of a hit and miss thing, but every chemotherapy agent was fundamentally designed to stop cells from growing in some way, attacking the DNA, the RNA, those core things within inside cells. And then we kind of figured out, so some cancers are sensitive, sensitive to this drug or some to others. And we created components and concoctions and have had amazing success with chemotherapy alone. But so many cancers don't respond to chemotherapy or come back or and we never thought at the beginning about the possibility of these mutation specific treatments and now immunotherapy specific treatments.
1: Right. So we talk about use of personalized medicine, targeted therapy, these are fancy words, but it basically means trying to treat the person and not the disease based on their unique biology. Is that relatively no, accurate? It's,
0: it's more about figuring out the specific Uh, form of cancer they might have, be it a lymphoma, but, okay, what mutations are in that lymphoma? What's the best way to attack it if we have a drug that fights that mutation? I mean, the poster child for uh, molecular therapy, for targeted therapy, is this disease called chronic myelogenous leukemia, where research discovered a very specific mutation that, quote, drives that cancer. And it drives it more or less in a hundred percent of the patients who have CML. It's one mutation. And when researchers discovered the molecule that can block it, well, we have a drug that can put CML in remission ninety percent of the time or better, and for those patients they keep taking it for the rest of their lives, but their CML won't come back. That's the sort of molecular medicine for one cancer and now as we find mutations in many different cancers sometimes they cross over they share similar mutations uh... the same drug that fights cml fights a a tumor called gist g-i-s-t in the stomach so it's it's amazing that same pill can fight two different cancers
1: and you're right i remember hearing back when her septum was first starting to get used in in Colorectal cancer, like why would that work? And this whole shift of we're not just designing drugs for the location in which your cancer right. lies, but more in why it lies there in particular, based on your
0: genome. Yeah, and- based on the, that cancer's genome, what's what's that mutation? And the other, so here's the other fabulous science that enables that enables us to fight the or wake the immune system up and to fight cancer. It's this thing we call, I know you wanted me to talk about the immune system, but a monoclonal antibody. What is that? That means we have been able to design, researchers have designed this lock and key, this antibody that fits specifically only on one little protein. And that little protein may be expressed on the surface of a cancer, that's a marker of that cancer and we can find a monoclonal antibody that will attack just that protein and whatever cell has it will go away will be damaged will be killed so that is enabled the development of specifically a monoclonal antibody to one type of cancer lymphoma and the drug there has been used for decades called rituxan but also now we're putting Chemotherapy agents onto these antibodies, and then that brings the agent directly just to the cancer cell and allows the killing of the cancer cell in that way. And we call those immune conjugates or antibody drug conjugates. And so that's a specific way of fighting the cancer by going after its surface. Now, this whole immune checkpoint inhibitor story, the way of waking up the immune system. It's enabled by monoclonal antibodies that work on our body's own natural T cells and get them excited again, turn them into your, your analogy of, of Captain America, waking up the T cells to fight.
1: So, what to date? I mean, the the future. This seems to be clearly the future of oncology treatment, and and uh, the, this really, we say personalized, of course, approach at the at the you know you're you're a snowflake kind of situation. <laughs> is there any downside or, or like, is, is our body designed to be Captain America-ified to battle disease?
0: <laughs> so, here with everything, I think there's, there's always a two, two-edged sword. There's got to be. So if we excite the immune system, get it going again, then it has been capable of putting metastatic cancer a horrible cancer called melanoma that had spread all over a person's body into remission. No detectable cancer. When that patient would have normally succumbed to the cancer within a year, they're alive as much as 10 years later. Amazing thing with the immune system. But the double-edged sword is you can make that immune system go ahead and attack normal parts of the body. So you can get autoimmune diseases, side effects, Uh, to normal tissue from the immune system being overactive. So we have the possibility of causing serious colitis, serious damage to the eye. So any organ can be affected by the immune system and that's the downside, side effect.
1: Right. There's there's always a catch, but ideally better than the alternative.
0: Ideally much better than the alternative and we can usually usually dampen down
1: that immune attack so i mean clearly yes this is pr- very promising and i like the fact that you use the word hope i think that word gets overused but in this case it truly is something very poignant in in terms of the research and how it's coming along how does all of this factor into or is this emblematic of what we say com- combination therapies where this also works with this and it's not just one thing
0: So sometimes, and let me maybe give an example of a young woman who has a type of lymphoma we call Hodgkin's lymphoma. Uh, Young girl in college gets this big lump in her neck. Uh, Finally, we get to see her. The diagnosis of Hodgkin's lymphoma is made. Hodgkin's lymphoma is highly treatable with chemotherapy. So she receives this chemotherapy combination, which has been around for almost 20 years and puts patients in remission and her remission unfortunately lasted short like four months and all of a sudden the thing is coming back and so the standard treatment is high doses of chemotherapy and a transplant and she underwent that but we now have a new agent that has this monoclonal antibody targeting uh the Hodgkin's lymphoma specifically and stuck on the surface is a separate chemotherapy drug. So this agent is called brintuximab. And now, after her transplant, she's receiving that in combination to keep the Hodgkins away, and we have new studies that this is another remarkable advance to keep her in remission. Uh, we give this drug for a year, and most of those patients are now being cured.
1: You know, I, so, I, the, um, as I was trolling the exhibit hall at ASH, which, for those listening, is the um, the uh, the American Society of Hematology. Uh, <laughs> a lot of these new drugs end in like A, B, Mab, Vab, Gab. Vab. Is that a whole new class of That's drugs? That's the
0: thing we call yeah, the monoclonal antibody. That's oh. what they're, what that comes from. So, in the laboratory, have found a target, have created a very specific reaction. So this. And the monoclonal antibody is developed by part of our immune system, the, what we call the B-cell part of the immune system, makes antibodies. If you get a vaccine for pneumonia or the flu shot, you're triggering your body's immune system to ultimately create antibodies against the flu. Now, we can go to the laboratory and make an antibody against almost anything if we know precisely what its chemical structure is. So the abs that you saw were against all kinds of targets.
1: And and the, honestly, and that, that to me is what's most interesting because it's not just like this, I go back to the Herceptin metaphor that I used before, where one particular, uh, I think they're like the PD-1 class or the PD-2 class, they, they can target multiple types of cancers at the same time.
0: Right. So now we've We've used a little bit of jargon, but let's... So the immune system has has to have, because we just talked about the fact that if we get immune system overactive, it can damage normal organs. So it, normally, it has already in place a series of checks on an immune reaction, and this PD-1 pathway is one check. There's another one called CTLA-4, so these are just fancy names, but basically there are breaks. their their system of breaks on the immune system. And if we release those breaks, if a cancer is depending upon holding back the immune system attack by one of those mechanisms and we block it, okay, now the immune system goes into action and does kill the cancer. And this same lymphoma, the Hodgkin's lymphoma, if you look at those ASH abstracts, We found that giving an antibody to PD-1, which takes the breaks away, will actually almost in 80% of the time fight Hodgkin's lymphoma because Hodgkin's lymphoma turns out has a genetic predisposition to use the PD-1 pathway to block itself from the immune system.
1: So, this again, fascinating stuff in terms of what we're now understanding, but is it, is it all cancer is genetic? Like there's some genomic thing that's because it's happening? It, it, I mean, I, I want to lay person it a little bit, but like why is cancer happening? Is it – I can't even put the question together. It's so complicated, but it, it just sounds <laughs> like – It's genetic.
0: So there's a mutation. The yeah. cancer has – a normal cell has left normality, has lost some of its properties of normal, and mutated. So these mutational events happen randomly, God, these scientists have come up with some kind of number every billion sort of cell divisions. At some point, a dividing cell may have something go wrong. And if that cell in most all cases is just dies and doesn't do anything else, our body's happy. It just you know just goes away. But when cancer evolves and develops for randomness or for induction of defects such as radiation and atomic bomb and things that can uh, cause damage to our DNA then the cell sooner or later survives this sort of destruction of its, its damaged DNA and it's got new DNA with mutations and those mutations can lead to the cancer
1: so we, we do this, we've been doing this show for nine years now, and typically every show has a young adult's cancer story. And for whatever the, the reasons, the majority of our community are hematologic malignancy survivors or patients, and even long-term who had cancer, like when they were 6 or 10, and then are now young adults or millennials. A lot of them get, like, what we I guess first line is a fancy jargon term, but, like, the standard of care when you get this is that. What does it take... To look at the the, this immunotherapy approach I'm botching the question but what does it mean for this to be the new conversation or does this have to be like the next conversation after oh you, you have this we'll do this first
0: so for Hodgkin's lymphoma a cancer that absolutely predominantly affects young adults we are already planning studies to bring this immune therapy treatment way up front, to not wait until the cancer has come back. Uh, There are studies right now using the antibody drug conjugate, like this brintuximab I talked about, in combination with chemo up front. But even better, maybe, we hope, will be the single immune therapy treatment, this PD-1 treatment. Um, for Hodgkin. So, the, what will happen to make it be the conversation is a clinical trial, a clinical trial that brave patients participate in and get the new treatment and proof that it is better than the standard of chemo will make it be the first choice.
1: Clear. That is the direction we we want to go in. And you, you touched on the next part of our, our conversation. We got about uh, about five or ten minutes left. Is clinical trials we've we've been. You know, banging our heads against the wall here on the patient side about awareness of trials. Who's responsible? How are you eligible? um, The the enrollment process, the sign up process. It's so challenging, even just as a concept, that people are often not made aware of it, or it expires, or it's not. What's been your experience, and hopefully something positive in how we're making more patients possibly aware? Of trials to enroll in out of the gate? Uh,
0: that is a great question. Um, I, I think maybe there's a shift in the world with what you're doing, what the internet is, what availability of knowledge is. Uh, when I see many patients, they are educated, they are They and their families have already started searching, and it would be natural. Uh, Sometimes they come in with, well, I'm not sure, because a, a name can be very confusing, and they'll get all confused on the Internet about what we're really talking about. But if they go to standard professional sites like the NCI and start looking, searching for the cancer name that they've been confronted with, they'll find trials and they come in with a whole pile of information. So it's the idea that trials are there and more people are aware of them and looking for a trial and maybe if I have one message too to give, it's don't just go to the doctor and hear when you have cancer, this is a treatment we need without maybe considering a second opinion. There's no doctor, no doctor in my business who's a skilled professional expert in cancer is going to be offended by someone getting a second opinion. Usually there's time for such as that, um, but you, it often helps you. Then you have, okay, this is the plan, and that second opinion can include what's such clinical trial for me if there is one, and if there's not, uh, when will it be? And yes, I've got Some studies that are so close to opening and I just can't wait to get those to the patient
1: right and I think that's a really great role that the patient advocate world is moving into that we've never really had the capacity to do thanks to the globalization of of media is we have patient communities and survivor communities and even at-risk communities for uh, congenital risks Mm -hmm. and we can now push information to them that they trust that this is something you should keep in the back of your mind or don't forget if it relapses, like there are trials matter and the sort of the destigmatization of them is something we've been trying to work on uh, for about nine years now where you're not really a guinea pig and you're not getting placebo and, you know, it's it's something that is brave but it's not something that you can, you know, just dismiss because you're scared of it. That, that's something very sensitive that we're being very mindful of, and how we talk to patients about that.
0: Yeah, so no, I think, and, and sort of it's like consider the trial. Um, and there are different stage, stages of dealing with cancer the initial diagnosis, the initial treatment, or if the cancer comes back because the initial treatment has failed. That second category is almost always something where we are working with the newest drugs and do have a trial but even in the first category like I mentioned they are planning it's not open yet but under planning at this very moment okay how can we use this immune therapy in the beginning and not wait
1: so I see you're on the uh, the National Cancer Institute's Leukemia Steering Committee what is the goal and purpose of that committee what are you hoping to achieve together
0: so this is a group of leukemia experts who, who basically review new concepts for clinical trials that are going to be done all over the country. There was a push by the National Cancer Institute that basically says, all right, let's not duplicate efforts, let's be sure that every clinical trial is considered um, to be sh- unique and contributing new knowledge and so there wouldn't be two similar trials opening for this at the same time. Um, these are, have to be big studies, though. There are smaller studies conducted across the country where, yes, it might be agent A in the same disease and another smaller study, agent B in the same disease. But these are really, for answering that final question, can we move something new up front, um uh, we're a group that helps review that and and decide if this trial should go forward
1: really really important stuff i am reading here also your the your 10 year award for america's top doctors that's not shabby um congratulations <laughs> on that I, I i read those in like you know you're in the airport or the on the plane and they have like the magazines in the back of the seats and the america's top doctors you know uh, look for your face
0: all right <laughs> <laughs> I wish I'd known your face. I could have run into you at Swag while you were trolling through all those Butte booths and it's ex- looking at all the amazing stuff.
1: I mean, I, I I was diagnosed in the Stone Age like 20 years ago, so there was no immunotherapy. there was like a, I had a craniotomy for brain cancer, and there was no chemotherapy. Nothing broke the blood-brain barrier. Just to look in the course of 20 years, how far we've come, and even just in the last, I would say, two or three years, it's been so. And the FDA's new like. They have that like disney fast pass at the fda now so things are getting accelerated it's it's a right. big deal it's a really big deal and i try to impart that out to the universe that we are making actual progress and actual strides uh final question then where would you like us kind of a loaded question where would you like us to be in a few years what do you see is the the next big breakthrough or or a sea change moment in oncology that would get us past any hurdles that currently exist
0: today wow yeah it's hard to predict the future. I think we're standing right in the middle of this whole immuno-oncology revolution. So we're, we're just, just peeking through the curtain to begin with. Uh, where I would like to be is the more we could throw away chemotherapy agents and find very specific agents that either target just that tumor or target the immune system or some combination, then the goal is do less damage to the normal parts of the body and do much more damage to the cancer and leave everything else alone.
1: Well, we've been joined by Dr. John Godwin. Um, You're at the Robert W. Franz Cancer Research Center in uh, Providence, right?
0: Providence, Portland, Oregon.
1: Yep, yep. It's a good place to be. I've been there. Uh, I can't thank you enough for sharing your wisdom with us on this uh, episode of the Stupid Cancer Show. Thank you for joining us.
0: All right, thanks, Matthew.
1: All right, take care. Bye bye.
0: Bye bye. <laughs>
1: all right, and now it's time for the closing sequence.
0: Prepare to activate. Uh, I hear there's rumors on the uh, internets. Have You ever seen a grown man naked? And so to all of you, a fond farewell. Hooray, I'm
1: helping You are a meathead Oh Magoo, you've done it again That was so terrible I think you gave me cancer Okay folks, that's our show Never miss an episode By subscribing to the podcast on iTunes And following us on SoundCloud I'd like to thank my guest, Dr. John Godwin, for joining us on this special broadcast on Immunotherapy 101, Broadcasting since 2007. The Stupid Cancer Show is a production of Stupid Cancer, the largest charity comprehensively addressing young adult cancer online at stupidcancer.org. Coming to you from the chemo deck. And on behalf of my team here at the Stupid Cancer Show, we hope you had as much fun as I did poking a stick at Stupid Cancer. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you back on the next exciting podcast of the Stupid Cancer Show. Goodbye, folks.